This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this special edition of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Joining me on the phone, it is Ginger from the Wild Hearts and... Alan Niven returns. Now, uh, both gentlemen had never met, and so this was the first time they've actually spoken to each other, and we discuss mental health issues and their recent suicide attempts. Uh, That is right. I know over the months or over the last little bit, I've been telling you that Alan was locked away in a studio. Well, uh, truth be told, he had uh, attempted suicide, and so I was just uh, doing my best to... um, I guess, cover up, uh, for the lack of a better word. And so we decided that we wanted to talk about these mental health issues to sort of lift the veil on cover-ups like that and, and be perfectly honest and hopefully, hopefully help folks out there that might be struggling with those thoughts these days who just don't know what to do. And, and you know, we're, we're here to, to sort of say, listen, reach out. And uh, you can reach out to me. Uh, my email address is, uh, or one of my email addresses, is mitchminute at AOL.com, mitchminute at AOL.com. Now, listen, I caution you, I am not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. But if sending me a note saying, hey, man, l- life's tough, and if my response is going to be able to help you, then please, by all means, uh, send send an email and, and, you know, at least let's start the conversation uh, but ultimately, if if you are struggling with those thoughts, please, please, please uh, seek out professional help. Uh, not not a podcast host, um, but it will it, it still will be my pleasure to to do what I can. Anyway, uh, also uh, the episode here it was a three way call, and Alan's audio was significantly lower than both uh, Ginger and I. Now, normally, if we were talking about the latest album or the latest tour or the whatever, uh, I would just say, hey, folks, th- this didn't work. And I would throw out the episode and, and say, let's let's do a part two. You know, let's, let's talk about the new album uh, again. But because of the content and because of the, the genuineness, you know, if... If we were to throw it out again and say, hey, boys, all right, let's get back on here and let's try to get the the emotion level back to where it was and let's 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 redo this. I think it would come off as as exceptionally disingenuous. And I think it would it would um, I think it would be counterproductive and it wouldn't serve its purpose. So, listen, uh, Ginger's guys uh, worked on the audio. They, they tried to equalize it as much as possible. And when I uh, loaded here up onto the uh, Omni system where I put all the shows, it automatically applies a uh, correction as well. So hopefully by the time the end of the line product will be uh, exceptionally good. But uh, just as a caution, Ginger and I are loud and in your face and present. Alan is distant. So when Alan speaks, you may have to turn up the volume and then you may have to turn it down. Now, I know it's frustrating to turn up, turn down, turn up, turn down. But listen, the content is worth it. The message contained therein or herein is worth it. So so for this one time, just just bear with us and, and thank you for listening. And so uh, without further ado, oh, and I, I will caution this. I had uh, we had recorded the show as a standalone show with an introduction and everything, 
And uh, I'm doing this extra introduction just uh, to, to, to sort of give my thoughts on everything and also to, to caution you about Alan's audio. Um, so I'm going to run it as is. So you're going to hear, hey, welcome to Rock Talk again. Uh, don't worry. I just, I just want to run the show as it was so that nothing's lost, so that you get the vibe, so that you get the energy, so that you, so, so that's genuine. So uh, here we are, uh, my episode with Alan Niven and Ginger Wildheart. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And joining me on the phone, all the way from York in the UK, we have Ginger Wildheart. Good day, Ginger. Pleasure to have you back. Uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be hard back. Yes. And on the other line in Arizona, a little more distant in the mix, we have the one, the only, the venerable Alan Niven. A good day, Sir Alan. We have not heard you on the show in about ooh, six weeks or so. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you appreciated the respite. <laughs> I I did. I, I had a chance to uh, to interview a whole bunch of other folks and, and do it uh, solo. But uh, folks, normally on Rock Talk, we, of course, well, guess what? We talk about rock. We talk about Ginger's new album, The Wild Hearts' new album. We talk about... Guns N' Roses and Great White and all kinds of stuff. And what we fail to address once in a while are pressing issues like mental health. And so if you're if you're tuning in for talks about guitars and, and, and concerts and stuff, not this episode. In fact, we are going to start off with Alan. And for the last few episodes, I have told you my co-host hasn't been here because he's been locked up in a studio doing all kinds of magic. But the bottom line is, and the truth is, is that Alan, um, Alan, when was it? Was it March or April? Uh, April, it was Easter weekend. Yeah, on on Easter weekend, Alan... Yeah. Go, that, would have been the, that would have been the 14th of April, if I remember. Alan, should I introduce this, or do you want to just go ahead and tell the folks? Because it is your um, story. No, no, go ahead, Mitch, because, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's valid that... Um, you can form your sense of question. I'm sure you have your own questions to ask. So go ahead. Yes. Uh, okay. So the so the real reason that Alan hasn't been part of the show for the last little bit is because on that day, as he just described, he attempted to commit suicide. And uh, Alan, let, let me start with that. What was the method? And 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 I know this is going to sound sort of graphic and voyeuristic, but sort of. What happened? Oh, the optimum way to go from my uh, my point of view and assessment is to overdose on opioids um, because they feel really warm and fuzzy and there comes a point that uh, um, if you've done your um, pill-to-weight ratio calculations correctly, um, the only concern you should have is where do you want to be seated as dark velvet rolls up? Um, and I wanted to be seated outside under the stars, under the amazing canopy of the, the, the stars. And I knew that I had to get off my couch and make it to that chair out of that door before I lost my leg. And I made it. Uh, I put my head back and there's this amazing canopy of stars overhead, and I was figuring hopefully one of those is the uh, alien ship coming for me, and I'm ready, and I got my ticket stamped, and anytime you want to pick me up, I'm here. Um, so 
opioids. Yeah, oh, the the yeah, the joy of opioids. Um, do you want to reveal why you got to that point? Because I think a lot of listeners at some point feel like enough's enough and it's time to, as you say, move into the other realm. But some people get held back or they have second thoughts. Can we discuss what got you to that point? Was Well, I mean, I know, but I don't want to start well, saying stuff that's out of, out of turn. No, I mean, you know, there was, there was an accumulation of um, profound, profound frustrations that involved some people who should know better and could do better. Um, but the final straw for me was uh, my wife disappeared for three weeks up into Utah and we weren't sure where she was and what she was doing. She came back in time for my stepdaughter and, and I um, had birthdays about two or three days apart. And she turned up for those. And um, as a uh, birthday present, she informed me that she had um, had a relationship with somebody else for two and a half years. And that to me was the coup de grace for my determination to deal with one day at a time. I have never felt a stronger connection to a single individual. Uh, the cliche is love of your life, soulmate, whatever you want to use. Um, but there was, there was a long period of time when, ridiculous as it sounds, I thought she was me and she thought, you know, and she thought she was I. Um, we were very, very close for some very substantial periods of time. And relationships, you know, they had their ups, their downs, and so on and so forth. Find out that somebody's been cheating on you for two and a half years was a little more than I could digest. And interestingly enough, it is, you know, it's a nice birthday present too. Um, this particular birthday, usually when the birthday numbers come up, I just kind of blow by them. Um, laughingly call myself a case of arrested development. I'm 27 years old and will remain so until I do expire. But this time around, the number got to me a little bit, and I'm looking at it and going, how the fuck did that happen? Good. God, I blinked twice. Here I am looking at 68. That's ridiculous. Um, so there was possibly a little bit of what we might call chronological fatigue in there as well. And fatigue is yep. a key word because when you're in that state of mind, being tired of yourself and being tired of what appears to be pointless struggle is what tires you out. And you go well, you know what? What the hell? Um, I'm going to exercise some personal sovereignty here and I'm going to decide, decide when to move on. And the other thing is that, you know, over the last 15 years, I've moved from a condition of being purely and profoundly atheist to a condition of absolutely knowing that the spirit world is around us all the time, sheltered from us by a thin veil. And quite honestly, it's not that hard to get to a point of point of view where you go, you know what? I'm kind of tired of what's going on around me and what people do and the fact that we do not seem to be evolving into a better consciousness or a higher consciousness. I'd rather step through the door and see what's there. And and, and I don't mean to, to make light of it, but in a sense, being the manager for Guns N' Roses and Great White and going through the 80s with all the excesses, that sort of saved you, right? Because your 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 personal constitution was able to take ah. 
Right. I mean, right. And I don't mean to sound silly, but or facetious, but you took, from what I understand, 30 opioids and 30 antidepressants, or 60 pills and all. It, it, it was something like that. And I think I got about uh, four fifths of, of the way through a bottle of scotch um, to wash them down. Wow, that, that, that is. So, un- yeah, it, 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 obviously, my constitution, I mean, you know. I had to stop and think for a moment because it was Good Friday and I thought to myself, I'm not sure if this is the sort of thing I should be doing on a Good Friday. And then I said to myself, well, I'm not about to arise on the third day. Well, the joke, the joke was on me. I did arise on the third day and I arose in hell, otherwise known as Phoenix. Um, so, you know, there's a God joke on me. Um, you know, That's obviously had my application for upstairs and downstairs, denied by both. But... Um, no, it's uh, yeah. No, it's interesting when you mentioned GNR because uh, come up in conversation recently. But I would point out that the last carefree days that I had involved in making music and contributing to the world of rock and roll, the last carefree day I had was probably the day I signed a contract with Guns N' Roses. From that point on, it was all stress and anxiety. And pressure and a lot of unpleasant. Let me let me, uh, let me turn this over to, to Ginger for a second. Um, you know, you, Ginger, you, you just heard Alan say that after he signed Guns N' Roses, things became very hectic and the pressure of the business. In your case, because because you've also very publicly admitted to having attempted uh, suicide yourself, is it something that for you comes from the music business where there's just so much pressure? to succeed and be number one and have a number one album and have the good looking picture and have the best artwork. Is that something that, that came from you or is this something that you've been dealing with since before you were um, a rock star for the lack of a better word? Rock star. Um, well, we weren't successful. So that, that doesn't really apply to us the, the same way as it does to Guns N' Roses or Nirvana or Motley Crue or whatever. We were a council flat rock and roll um, but I'd been suffering from, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it could be quite the thing, but, uh, there's plenty of it in England. You could mine this fucking thing and it would be like rich pickings. But, uh, I, I suffered from this for a long time before I picked up a guitar. You know, it was always there. There was always a hint that I, I was, I felt, you know, a bit different than everyone else. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had a, I, I had a, uh, you know, technically a lot of reasons like, you know, weird domestic stuff going on to, to, you know, to, to want to, you know, be a bit angry, but uh, I was, I wasn't like everyone else. I was definitely a bit of a weirdo from, from day one. Um, so it was, it was kind of fait accompli that I knew one day I would probably try and do it. And in the, you know, in the years uh, to, between me being a weird fucked up kid and, you know, me attempting suicide, there was tons of people I knew attempting suicide. It was like 30, 40 years of people attempt, committing suicide. I, I had tons of friends die. Um, and uh, so it was, it, it was like one of those things. Sorry, was that Alan, mate? Ginger, I was going to ask you a question. Um, was it, was, do you think, I'm looking to see whether it was, environmental because we all know how depressing 
um, the, lo the lower half of English society can be and how grinding it can be to live in. But was there also maybe a genetic, was there something in your DNA or in your family that, you know, might have predisposed you a little bit? So I know my old man um, had had the warblies a couple of times before he died of cancer. Yeah, well, yeah, there was, um, there was a lot of, uh, yeah, people didn't have, obviously words or diagnosis for it but people didn't talk about it either it was a it was a, a secret within families um, I found out later that my mom had been on diazepam for you know decades uh, and I'd, I had no idea that she was suffering from this so the you know the genetic genetic side can't be underestimated that definitely needs to be part of the research but the, there needs to be a, a, a whole new age of research about this because it's it's killing people on a level that people are just like turning their heads away and going like yeah well you know look at that there's something something going over there with well, it's also environmental too i mean you can obviously tell that you know, you and I have probably had very differing childhood experiences. Um, I gravitated to rock and roll like a moth to a flame because my upper middle class upbringing and boarding school did not, and my home did not have one iota of what I thought was genuine warmth and love. And I thought that I would find genuine. And, and as soon as I was out of school and, and uh, thrown out of, out of home, um, I was kindly taken in by a guy who was driving a truck at the same place I was doing a summer job driving a truck. And that was the first time I came into a family environment that seemed really loving and genuine. And, you know, they're living in a, a, a tiny little house and they, they made room for me on the sofa. And... I'm sitting there and going, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Mm. You know, I'm looking for that warmth. And for me, rock and roll has always been blue collar. And I've always looked for friends who did not go to fucking public school um, or were elitist or entitled. Um, rock and roll for me personally has been a search for a genuine love. Um, so, yeah, I suppose when I thought the genuine love that I found from a mountain girl in West Virginia was not genuine, um, that was like, well, what the fuck? What are, we, what are we screwing around at this for any longer? You know, let's go and see what's on the other side of the veil. Well, yeah, so let me take you up on that then, and, and I'll bring that to Ginger. Was that sort of your entree into music to as an escape where these things were going on in your head and there were these pressures and the family situation, the domestic situation was... Uh, in upheaval, and you went, you know what, I can put on a whatever, a Kiss record, or I can put on a Cheap Trick record, and I can just be ginger for those 30 minutes. Oh, so are you talking to me? Um, yeah. Uh, 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 it all changed when I was um, about 1973, and I'd always been a weird kid, so I was about, what, nine or something at that point. Um, and I'd never really seen eye to eye with my parents, but like all kids my age, you were terrified of your parents. You didn't back chat your parents like kids do now. I've got three of them. I, I can testify. Um, but this, the suite came on the telly 
uh, sweet and and the and the guitar player had a sticker on his guitar and and the camera zoomed into the sticker and it was an inverted smiley face and he had the word shit on the bottom and I just thought I was in the presence of like a you know, this is a revelation. My parents are going, this is, just, this is crap. How can you like this sort of stuff? And I remember just thinking, like, there's a place for people like me who would put a sticker on his guitar, knowing he's going on telly, and put a sticker on his guitar that says shit. And, and first, that's just what, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis was doing before him and Johnny Rotten was doing after him and Kirk Cobain. And it's that sense of, like, lawlessness that... Uh, always giving me a, a way out. I, it, it wasn't just like, you know, accept the way that things are or, or kill yourself. There was a, there was a, a plenty of nutcases. I, I used to go see bands like Ramones and the whole place would just be full of freaks, like thousands and thousands of freaks. And you go like, where do these people go after the, ki- after the show? Where, where, where do they live? I know no one sees these people. They must live underground. And it was a, this community of freaks long as you just meet some more freaks like yourself, then you'll be all right. There is, as far as our, our, our uh, illness is concerned, there's, there's no greater uh, medicine than, than sharing it. And uh, just knowing that there's people as fucked up as yourself, whatever the background, and, you know, I think it's a, it's a genetic kind of code in some people, rock and roll. It's always been there. It really has. And, and I just want to take a moment here before we continue just to say thank you for both of you to, for, for coming on because it is an important discussion and we do overlook it. And, and I, as a music journalist, I'm very keen on telling you about what happened on this day in rock and roll history and, hey, the Wild Hearts have Renaissance Men and, hey, Guns N' Roses has a new tour. But once in a while, it's important to get to social issues or issues that are affecting the larger society. And I think this is one of it. And, you know, talking about suicide and suicide attempts. Now, my brother in 2017 attempted and I found him in the house on the floor and he's four years older than me. And and he he was rigid and cold. And I thought, well, I've come too late. And the, the, the fire department showed up and they did all what they had to do. And they started packing away their stuff and they said, you know, it's not going to happen. And literally as they were walking out the door, there was like a giant gasp and he was like, <gasps> and, and he was back. And and that was very traumatizing for me. Uh, and, and this was like, again, only two years ago. And so I think it's important that we that we bring this and that we share these stories to not to normalize it necessarily, but but to tell people out there that, hey, you know what? This is happening and we're not afraid to share our personal stories. And if it's happening to us, you know, don't feel weird that it's happening to you. And I don't know if I said that correctly, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Um, So, you know, you you touched on a couple of really delicate nerves there because only the insensate would not appreciate that it can be traumatizing to other people. You know, there are members of your family who, who maybe care. There are people you work with who do care. Um, and that when you're in that state of mind, it's very, very hard to keep that within your focus um, because you're so tired and you're tired of yourself and you're tired of all the bullshit. And I think part of the, you know, part of what I'm trying to get to here is I think 
mostly during day with with we've got our eminent front on. You know, we're doing what we should do, we're being responsible, we're providing, we're looking after, we're trying to make this happen for that person and trying to make this happen for the family or yourself. And there's that eminent front that completely masks where maybe your soul is residing in a darker place and you're just going, what the hell, you know? Um, the hard thing, I think, is for, for people who have got that struggle going on behind the face that we put on is to get that face up to being the eminent front itself and say, you know, I'm really having a problem here. Um, I need a little bit of consideration or help. Um, you know, and that, that goes to what kind of society do we live in? We live in America here, which is all about rape, loot, and pillage, and step on the next guy. Um, which is, you know, and socialism in America is deemed a bad word. Well, you know, my favorite conversation with people who bring that up is, tell me what the opposite of social is. It's anti-social. The idea of socialism is having an expanded sense of family that encompasses everybody, and we look after each other instead of being competitive consumers. I mean, you know, what are we, what are we being here for? I mean, we're little tax slaves being pushed around and everybody has to knuckle under and consume, consume, consume and over-consume. Um, I, think, I, think, I think what I'm trying to say is I think that if, if you want to get to the heart of some people's depression, you, you've got to look at it from both a personal and a societal level. And go, you know, if we were a better society, society, <coughs> pardon me, and we looked after each other a little bit better, this stuff might not happen quite so much. True. Um, Ginger, I want to ask you about, about your last attempt, which I'm trying to think goes back about two years, correct? Two, two or three years ago? No, it was September. Was it September? Oh, boy, okay. Um, so, you probably don't know. I, don't, I didn't tell a lot of people. Okay, but there, I, there was one that was reported in the media. Was that the one from September or was that the one? For, anyway, uh, irregardless, no, or, sorry, regardless, not irregardless, not a word. Um, what sort of brought you brought you to the edge? And is that something that you're comfortable discussing? And And like Alan, when you come out on the other side, is there a sense of guilt or embarrassment of what you put others through, family, uh, business partners. How, how was that for you, if if you're okay to describe what happened and what sort of got you there? Well, the you guilt, the thing is, is uh, talking about guilt is like you're you're talking about when I came through it, I was the same guy as when I was doing it. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of, tw I don't know, it's a, it's a dislocation in the brain that, makes you want to do this that makes you think that this is a a, a logical way through is by just like everyone will be better without better off without me um and not even realizing how ridiculous that is that everyone would be better off without you obviously there wouldn't be but you, you know it's like you you, you can't uh, you can't think that people are thinking with a rational mind when they do something like this it's a um 
it's a switch. It's a switch in logic. Um, I, you know, it it hasn't it hasn't it hasn't had someone like Oliver Sacks to do a a, a decent uh, description of what it actually is and give it a nickname. But it's a you know, you as far as you're concerned, it's an entirely um, plausible way of taking care of all of your problems is to just kill yourself. And I think that's what we're talking about. How do we kind of educate people that this kind of thinking is a, is a, a common thing? It's, it's in one in what, one in six people, one in 10 people will, you know, probably attempt suicide. It's some, something ridiculous like that. But I mean, it's, it's, it's like cancer. It's a big one. It really is. And, and, you know, I, I will caution folks that none of us here are medical experts and we're just offering our, our, our thoughts. But when I was in university and I did a master's in psychology, or educational psychology, actually, I remember a professor telling me very specifically or telling the class that we all sort of have the suicide fantasy in the sense of, you, when you're a kid, you'll say, oh, hey, mom, I'm going to kill myself. And then you have this fantasy of you're, you're sort of floating over the grave while your mom is crying and it's sort of a, a guilt projection and an anger projection and stuff like that. And where it gets dangerous, it when it moves from that sort of fantasy into while well, you have pills under your pillow or you have a, a knife ready to go. And 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 that's where you need to, to, to seek help. Um yeah, but it isn't, it isn't just—it isn't just the fantasy and the reality of it. Is that otherwise everyone who fantasizes about killing someone would have to keep them away from, keep themselves away from kitchenware? I mean, like you know, you know, serial killers are going to kill people. You know, people that I've known were going to kill themselves. It wouldn't have mattered if I'd been there before. If I could have changed something, they were still going to do it. The problem is, is that it's. It, this is not a logical brain that's doing this thinking, you know, and you can't just be thinking like, well, you know, every now and again, I feel like doing it or eh, it, ain't, it ain't the same. This is not it's not an option. You know, it's not a, it, it's not a choice. And, you know, Bef- before we start talking about some of the solutions or some of the things that maybe we should be seeing I mean, I in society. Uh, yeah. Alan, you know, before we go on um, the description that that you gave of uh, what your um, professor was telling you about fantasy and so on and so forth. Um, forgive me for saying it, but I, I think that kind of statement and that kind of uh, representation of the state of mind is a little facile. Um, when I woke up, I had to deal with therapists, techs, nurses, doctors, and then sit in groups with a bunch of really damaged people who are all staring at their feet on the floor and offer explanation and try and give a sense of clarity and understanding to why the decision was made. And for myself in that instant, everybody comprehended exactly what I was saying, could not condone it, but could understand it, could, un- could understand exactly why I arrived at that decision. And it wasn't about fantasy, and it wasn't about, you know, people regretting that I had gone or anything. I didn't give a fuck what they thought. What I gave a fuck about was how I felt. And how I felt was emotionally, entirely, and utterly crushed by over my life. And at that point, and at my stage of life, I went, what the hell? I've already outlived my father by 10 years. Um, 
Maybe I've had enough of this. Maybe I just want to see what's through the next door. Nothing through the next door, then there's nothing. But I've got a feeling that there is something way better than this through the next door. And I wouldn't mind seeing that. I didn't see anything. I, I, I saw fuck all. I died for eight minutes and I was on a, a life support for 36 hours and I saw fucking nothing. Right. There was no lights. There was no uh, fucking relatives beckoning me to their bosom. There was fuck all. It was like someone switching off and on a fucking light bulb. Um, there's nothing else. You know, you be, people should stop thinking that there's, to do this because there's something else. There's nothing else. We've got to get away from all that fucking religious thinking because there's nonsense. Obviously, there's nothing else. There's no fucking heaven. There's no fucking hell. There's, you know, it's like this is it. This is fucking it, you know, and you've got to kind of be a, a bit, um, you know, when you can be a little bit accountable, you know, and um We've we've all got a lot to do. We all got people banking on us. We all got people that, that fucking love us way more than we love them. Um, and we got to, uh, you know, give a bit back to that. You know, that's 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 the bit that fuck, it doesn't make any Ginger, sense to I, me. Ginger, can I ask? Sorry about that. Just had a coffee there. No worries. I was getting off. Ginger, if you mind, telling me or telling us how he went about it in September. Oh, I um, I, I hung myself. I, I, I had a friend who um, hung himself, and the first time I got uh, sectioned um, and and put away for a week, uh, kind of voluntarily, was um, I, 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 I was thinking about what colour you must go before you you kill yourself. So I wrapped a, ch- a thing around my neck and I, I hung it on the shower. Um, that and you know showers in England aren't really. They're not going to take anyone's weight, let alone my weight. Um, and uh, and so the shower, the shower fell down. But I just wanted to see what colour he went before he died. And it's like as I was changing from pink to blue to purple to fucking green, um, I woke up and they they had said that I attempted suicide. And I I never really thought that I did, you know. But that was that was that was my first attempt. But I knew that after that that that's the way I would go about it because it's painless. You know, it's pretty instant. You know, you go, you can, you can put yourself out in a minute, um, and uh, that, that's that, that. That was the only way that I felt like, like doing it. Really, well, in England, we don't have guns. I mean, I probably would do, have used a gun, and then I think it would have been kind of pretty much done by now. So, uh, I, I think that's that's one thing we got over America is that you you're given choices even if you don't want them because you can't shoot your fucking head off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the somewhat pedestrian question here, but but fans listening are gonna say, well, you know, Alan, you you, you managed Guns N' Roses, you toured the world, you you wrote songs with Great White, and hey, Ginger, you were on stage last night, you 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 played to X amount of people, screaming your songs and singing back to you. How dare you, or how can you get to this point and? And I, and, and so, what do you answer to that? Because I mean, right? It, it's it's beyond just. Uh, it's an illness. It's it's not something that anyone, one of us, say uh, choose to have. You know, it's not so. It's not something that we're really, you know, given given a choice in. It's a bit like being born with fucking asthma or something. You know, kind of obviously, I would imagine that anyone would understand that it's not. You know, threatening to do this. Or considering doing this and doing this are entirely different things. 
And, uh, you know, to think that, it, you know, depression is something that people go through because, you know, something happens in their life and that's the reason why you would kill yourself. I, 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 I don't get it. You know, that's got to be in you to do that, to go that far, to go that far, to remove yourself from the world. That's got to be in you already. That doesn't just happen. Unless you're, you know, I don't know. Just I've got a gun handy and just go, eh, oh, you, you know, killing yourself is a fucking, it, it, it takes a lot of effort, you know, like. Uh, it, it does. So, so what, you know, talking about it here is going to get it out to, to fans. And, and, and that's certainly something to, to, as we say, something to think about for fans. But what are some of the solutions? Because in, in Canada, we do have social, socialized medicine and, and there are opportunities to get help, though, for some reason, uh, socialized medicine here doesn't cover psychology or psychiatry. You, you have to go pay 100 or 200 dollars an hour to, to, to see somebody to help you. Um, in the States, I, I don't know. It, it seems to me from my perspective that it's, it's the Wild West and everybody's on their own. What are some of the solutions for, for individuals that are listening now and going, hey, I feel like this and I'm going to do this tonight and I don't want to. I need some help. What, what do we do? Ginger? Talk to people. You know, talk to people. You know, bug people. Wake people up in the, in the middle of the night and just find out who your network is and who your network isn't and have a, a, an emergency half a dozen numbers that you can call at any time that won't mind you waking them up. And the rest of the wankers can go and fuck themselves. These, you know, as long as you've got like five or six important people, then you're all right. You can call someone. Don't rely on fucking Facebook and, and Instagram and all that shit. You know, people that actually fucking love you. Uh, and that's, you know, sometimes it, I don't think people fucking know the difference these days, but, uh, you know, when you need people, they're fucking really important, you know, and they're, and they're really fucking good. And people like to help people. You you know, there's no, you, you shouldn't underestimate the fact that you do and other people a favor by needing them because then they get to put their skills into operation and they they get to be a fucking awesome person and fucking help you. And who wouldn't, who wouldn't like to help someone? So engage, fucking communicate, fuck's sake, open your fucking mouth and, and talk to people. Let people know. And and equally, if you you know someone who's not behaving like themselves, just ask them if they're all right. It ain't going to take, you know, care. Just care about people. And I would say also be persistent because I know the first time you ask somebody, you go, "How's you know what's up?" Oh, I'm just having a bad day, and 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 you know that it's beyond a bad day. So you got to be persistent and and sort of stay on it. Alan, what do you think are are things that we need to do in order to, to help people deal with this? Well, one thing I might <laughs> have, have a slightly different viewpoint on ginger is that um, I'm not sure how comfortable I am in saying it, it's an illness. So I always, always felt a real stab of heart empathy every time you find out about a teenager who's been bullied and they go home and hang themselves in their closet. And that's not a product of illness, that's a product of persecution, someone's soul being crushed, someone's sense of identity and worth being completely ground to nothing. 
Alan, you're so fucking wrong, mate. You're so wrong. You're, 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 you're so fucking Hollywood, man. You haven't got a fucking clue. These people are, 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 are being subjected by their illness because of what society will allow and the way that they're threatening schools and the way that they threat with their fucking parents, their shit fucking uneducated parents. Um, not everybody kills themselves. You know, you got to you got to remember that it's not it's it ain't like a fucking the fact that you if you but if you're talking about suicide, you can't just talk about the few examples that this isn't an illness. The thing is a fucking illness, wide scale. You know, end of it's fucking you know it kills an exact amount of people every fucking year. You know, it's not fucking chance. Fuck's sake, wake well, the you're fuck up, man. Agree on a couple of things. First of all, do not tell me I'm Hollywood. That is entirely inappropriate, and, and when I'm sharing something as openly as I am as you are, um, that is not quite appropriate, you know. And what I'm trying to suggest to you is I don't think it's all just it's, – it's not like a flu or an illness or a cancer. It's, it's a state of mind, and that state of mind I don't think is determined by a biological circumstance in your body. Uh, I think it's environmental. I think it's situational at times. Um, and I don't think there's any one way that this happens. You know, people get um, get various forms of cancer. Um, it, to, me, to me, it's not a simple thing. But I think, you know, the difficulty is getting the individual who is feeling that low to express themselves to somebody. I mean, that to me is... is the real difficulty. How do you how do you get it across to somebody? Don't be ashamed. Come and talk to somebody. Somebody will care. Somebody will listen. Um, you know, and that's what, that's why I brought up the example of you know kids who are persecuted at school who go and do that, which happens over here quite a lot. Um, and it's it's really unfortunate to see because you see a school on the one hand and a and a family on the other, and you're thinking, good lord, surely in one place or the other. They must have been able to see enough to prevent this child from getting to that place. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to sort of come down the middle on this one because, you know, as a younger child, I was, you know, not the popular kid and so on and so forth. And yet I never ran off and tried. So I do think that there is a certain chemical imbalance or a certain physicality or, or innateness of it that that's beyond just, oh, I was bullied today and I killed myself. I, I, I do, I, I will sort of point my needle in the direction of ginger in the sense that I think there is something more inside our, our, our being that, that, that gets us to the point where it snaps. I, I, I really think that, it, uh, you know, I, I yeah. I'll, I, I, let, let, let me toss one to you. Yeah. And it might sound completely frivolous on, on the surface, um, but I am beginning to wonder and, and, and think, you know, as, as, as various situations about, I'm wondering if everybody smoked more weed, whether it would happen less. <laughs> well, they, they certainly get that chance now in Canada, now that it's been uh, fully legalized. Um, so, so where do we go from here? Where, you know, I don't want to wrap up the episode necessarily, but, but what, what sort of are left in the discussion? What have we failed to mention at this point? Well, if, if, if people genuinely do not believe that this is an illness, that is just like a, 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 a whatever, geographical or a, 
uh, fucking you know situational thing where something happens and people are committing suicide. No, no, there's, there's, there's I think there's a bit more to that. But as long as people are just thinking that it's all coincidence, then nothing's going to be done on a, on a governmental level as far as funding research <laughs> in the mental health. Uh, because everyone just thinks that it's like sort yourself out. This is not. This is something, you know. Um, we're kind of still in the Middle Ages as far as uh, you know, spiritual awareness is concerned. And it's usually people that talk about spiritual awareness that don't have a a real kind of idea that uh, people are in need. You know, people are in need of people, and they could really do with uh, with people not, you know, generalizing on there. Uh, on things like this and just take them for, for granted, you know, all right, in depression, you don't have boils on your face or you don't, you don't have a fucking leg bent in half, but it's internal. You, people are going to take you for face value and say, I believe that person. I love that person. I genuinely think that that person's suffering and that's what we need to address. And that's what we need to educate people on is those people that are suffering that you can do something. Um, you know, there should be some education uh, that we can all, in getting ourselves involved with online, this should be, you know, some legislation should, it's, 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 it, there's, there's a, a, a finite, uh, uh, fuck it, you know, who cares, you know, it's, you know, there's half the world is fucking absolute shit and half the world's fucking brilliant. Yeah. And, and I do think that, that we do need more government involvement in all of this. And, and, you know, what I need, what I think that we also need is to, is to let people know that it's okay to talk about because you know when you say to somebody, well, I saw a psychiatrist yesterday, or I, I'm thinking, of, there's this perception of oh, you're nuts, and oh, I don't want to deal with somebody who's nuts, and we we got to get rid of that perception. I, I think it's it's actually somewhat disappointing that with all the therapies that we have available that we're not taking advantage of it to, to, to sort of label somebody as, Oh, don't talk to Susie over there. She's nuts. She saw us. It's ridiculous. And, and it's got, it's got to come from education. It's got to Absolutely. come from base. It's got to come from schools and it's definitely got to come from parents and parents shouldn't be putting kids on the world unless they know how to educate them. You know, so that there's got to be a fucking, some people need that cock chopped off if they had more than fucking 12 kids. I mean, come on. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's got to start with the fucking mom and dad. You know, they got to be. It's got to be a family household that you can talk about anything. You can be as open as you want. You can be gay. You can be straight. You know. But you we know. also need, I, I guess, education. Right now, for I'm, I'm fucking. I'd be more disappointed if my kids were fucking straight than fucking gay. You know, the, all the fucking problems are fucking white fucking men, heterosexual men. But but we do need education for parents because, you know, when you become a parent, nobody, there's no guidebook and, and you don't know how to react. And so sometimes yeah, least... you got, you got, yeah, you got nine months to figure out how to be fucking conscientious. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't always you got work fuck out. All else, you got fuck all else to do. You know what I mean? You're sitting around fucking eating fucking noodles. You can't fucking do anything. You can't go out anywhere. Fucking learn to be a good person. But they won't, will they? They're fucking... Sniffing fucking dead birds in bags or whatever these fucking people are doing, you know. No, and and it's just it's just strange when when you look around at what our governments are doing. Here we're we're talking about government scandals, and you're talking about Brexit, and the states is talking about well Donald Trump all day long, 
And we'll look just... at it. It's a, it's, it's a massive distraction campaign. Yes. And they've managed because we're all so fucking badly educated that we ain't fucking taking... Uh, we're not fucking... No one's even looking at anything. We're just, we're, the world is a mass of fucking distraction, media fucking distraction laid down by fucking banking systems, the same people that are paying the fucking crooks that you fucking vote for, that you fucking believe in. Uh, you know, the same people that are keeping your fucking education poor. So you'll vote for this shit without even thinking twice about it, that you'll believe that, you know, it, suicide isn't a fucking illness. You know what I mean? You know, this, yeah. It's fucking, it, it's worked. It really is. Um, Alan, I'll just uh, defer to you for a second, but h- how do you feel after this episode? Was it good for you to come on here and talk about it, or do you feel, uh-oh, I should have just kept this quiet? No, the only reason I have to go and talk about it is because it's all very well to tell people, talk about your mental state and talk about your condition. Um, if you're not prepared to, you know, lead by example and do it yourself, then it's worthless. Um, the only reason for me to talk about this is not to make any difference to me. It's just to go, hey, you can talk about it. You know, it's nothing that you should keep bottled up inside you. If you're going to address a situation, you have to address a situation. Yeah, that I agree. And, and Ginger, how, how do you feel about having come on today and talk about this? Because it, it is... You know, you're you're leaving a purse, a, a chunk of your person on the table here for everybody to to listen to and to examine and to comment on. Well, but it, like I said, it's all about communication and the fact that Alan's here and he's telling his story and and I, I you know I get to be inspired by his strength uh, getting through this and whatever it takes. He sounds like a guy that's going to fucking do this, uh, and I need that, you know. I need that from fucking Alan and I need that from all of the fucking people out there that are struggling, that have done something like this, uh, you know, and I, and I think people in fucking music and movies and, you know, we're a, a, a generation that was obsessed with celebrities. So the celebrities need to be held accountable. If it's not you, it must be someone in your family or someone who's been affected by something. Surely, you know, something that's been affected by um, mental uh, mental ill health and the fact that the system is failing people and it needs to be addressed. So um, yeah, um, I'm 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 just glad that I got to uh, you know share share this time with with Alan because um, I know it's, Ginger, it's fucking it's, hard. It's a great thing to do what you've done. Um, it's a great thing to, and I, and I sense you know that my right hold is um, maybe I've got a slightly more careless attitude don't don't misunderstand me it's like i'm sorry know, i said you were hollywood i didn't mean that uh, yeah, i'm in more late at knightsbridge no not knightsbridge darling you can see where i live i live in the, in the uh, arizona desert far away <laughs> from all that as i can get i'm jealous if, if you ever if you ever watch lawrence of arabia there's my favorite line in that is american ask lawrence why he's in the desert doing what he's doing and T.E. Lawrence turns around to him and he says, the desert is clean. <laughs> oh. And what I add to that, Ginger, is in the desert, a snake is a snake is a snake. But mm. in Hollywood, you never fucking knew. Mm. You know, I came here for cleanliness and for honesty and for the stars. Um, you know, oh, if, if you look at the heavens, 
you look at the heavens every night, uh, it's always going to affect your thinking process. I think we live, live our lives too horizontally. We're just looking ahead, and the faster we go, the less we look over our back. Um, what was it Oscar Wilde said? We're all in the gutter. Just some of us have the intelligence to roll over and look at the stars. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I've got a, I've got a good friend who lives out there, Alan. So I'm gonna I'm I'm coming over and I'm gonna look for you. I'm gonna look at the stars well, together. Well, Ginger, if you come over here, it'll be my pleasure to show you some of the natural beauty around here. Oh, and, God bless you, know, mate. It's stunning, and there's a dichotomy because you look at it, and then you look at you know what we're doing doing to the environment locally, globally, as a species, and you go, yeah, well. You know, wouldn't surprise me if Mother Earth got pissed off with this one day and shrugged us all off. I'm sure that's happening. I hope it is anyway. Well, Mother Earth. Yeah, the, the planet's yeah, going to be so fine. Ginger, we're, you, we're fucked. Ginger, it's, it's been good to connect with you. And, you know, obviously it's a, a difficult and a delicate subject. And I think you were very brave to come on and do it. Um, and, you know, for me, it was just a case of if I can't talk about it, what's the point of having them out? You know, good on you, mate. What good, you know, what what good is it to say we all have to do better? You know, whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether my perspective is is agreed with, you know, it's neither here nor there. Point is that I felt I had to be prepared to say, ask me any question you want, I will be direct and open in response. Absolutely. And and I will say this uh, on my end, uh, folks, you know, if anybody out there is going through anything and, and you do need to reach out, you know, head over to my social medias and send me a note. I will respond and, you know, we'll, we'll get a conversation going because it, it is important. And uh, gentlemen, thank you. It, it's been uh, it has been uh, a very um, Im- important conversation, I would say. Thank you. Uh, you know, and I, I feel like I've got to make two new friends. That's right. And, you know, maybe on, on mine and Ginger's behalf, we can both look to you and say, you know what, Mitch, well done for asking us to do this. Because not everybody wants to deal with the topic and the subject. So for you to give the time and give your expertise to our thanks to you. Yeah, it, listen, it, it is a difficult topic and... and and I'm glad I did it, and 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 I hope fans will 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 tune in and listen. I know they want to hear the, you know, what the next great, you know, when Guns N' Roses is going to have a next album and stuff. But sometimes you got to step away from that and do something which I think is a little more critical, a little, well, not a little, a lot more critical and a lot more important. And I hope fans will support this kind of episode and this kind of show. And, and just, just to tag on that very subtly, Mick. Let me say, I think you might be surprised to know some of the people who have gone through serious attempts at suicide. Oh, absolutely. There you go. Uh, And what's really important to remember is that Guns N' Roses are going on tour soon, and the Wild Arts will be supporting them all around the world. So yay for that. (laughs) (laughs) Is that actually true? Are you going to be supporting them? Yeah, that's that's right. That is great. And and uh listen just just to get away from 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 the the, the topic uh, do you want to share that that story of being at the the queen we- wembley arena thing and and what you and axel were doing backstage 
Our, me and uh, our bass player Danny were, were sitting at a table. We 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 just been told to sit over there, and then um, John Deacon came down to sit down, and then Tony Iommi came down to sit down, and then Elton John came, and then Liza Minnelli came, and at that point we realised we're at the wrong table, you know, and it was obviously Queen's table, and no one asked us to move. And Axel Blessum sat down next to me, and we had about a half an hour conversation about, you know, how great. Bernie Taupin and Elton John's ballads were, and it was great. And you know, I got to see this guy, this 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 kind of crazy wild rock guy, as being just a fella. It was lovely, you know. Yeah, lovely show. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. And uh, there you go, folks. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Merci, as we say in Montreal. Excellent. You're welcome, mate. God bless. Great. Stay alive. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk.